Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Zaleen Barani worked in the banking industry for over 20 years, most recently in retail branch management and operational risk roles, where she was often part of making the decisions on whether or not entrepreneurs would be getting access to capital. She assessed return on investment on all budgetary decisions, and she was instrumental in collaboration with key partners, as well as a trailblazer on new digital tools. But she recently left that industry and is looking to make an impact as a leader that inspires acceptance, diversity, and inclusion of all, creating a workplace that treats all equally. Celine is a mom to two boys, instilling in them a sense of leadership and responsibility to become future global citizens. Her parents were South Asian newcomers to Canada. Zeline also wrote a moving story about her life and her experiences that you can read on our website, clearinganewpathpodcast.com. Okay, Zeline, where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? Hi, Shana. I'm from Markham, Ontario, and that's just the outskirts of the GTA. Let's start with how your professional career led you to where you are today? I started while in university at McMaster University, uh, working part-time for RBC. The best experience I've ever had. And I spent 18 years at RBC. It gave me good and bad experiences, but it made me who I am today. And I'm so grateful for that. It's given me the skills I need to now venture out and see Okay, in in my adult life, 
what do I want to do? What do I want to achieve in my career? And what do I want to give back as my legacy? What were some of the roles that you had at RBC? And, And did you have experience working with female entrepreneurs? Absolutely. So I started down in the ranks of the trenches in the banks, where I was a teller. And then I grew into being a manager client care, which is basically a customer service uh, manager. And from that, I did some administrative and executive roles, working for uh, regional vice presidents. I had the best experiences with some female entrepreneurs, but also some male ones. And I have to say that because, um, you know, there are some gems out there and they do deserve credit. And had they not seen what, you know, what they saw in me, I don't think I would have been where I am today and had the experiences I have today. They saw in me promise and potential and encouraged me and empowered me to go that extra step to go to that extra role, to go to that extra uh, committee, to sit on, to build the experiences I needed to be who I am today. And I'm so grateful. Did you experience any racism or discrimination in any of your roles? As much as I love and hate to say no, I have. And I think as much as I try to tell my six-year-old and my 10-year-old We live in Canada, the most multicultural countries uh, and accepted countries in the world. We still, we are the minority. We still do experience racism, ageism, you know, gender discrepancies, everything underneath the sun. And is it because we're immigrants? I don't know. I think I speak English very well as much as a Canadian true Canadian, but I am a true Canadian. No matter what, there's still that little barrier that needs to be pushed aside. And, you know, there's many songs and motivational quotes that say, be the change you want to see in the world. I want to be that. And so today, through you, I want to start that. Well, one of the things that I keep hearing over and over, and I've interviewed over 30 people across Canada from coast to coast, is access to capital is a barrier for women. How do we start chipping away at that issue? In an ideal world, um, if I was still in the banking world, I would love to make an entrepreneurial um, loan geared uh, to women, receive their business plans and make them not approved based on their credit or anything like that but approved based on their promise to deliver. That's a hard sell when you're weighing out the return on an investment that you put out there, right? No one's going to give you capital based on promise. No one's going to give you capital based on um, a poor credit score. They're going to give you capital based on what you bring to the table, both on credit score, based on your business proposal, the return on investment they can make on you, and much, much more. But the talent that we're overseeing because of that is phenomenal, and we need to make a change. I agree, but we have situations where there are large banks, 
and you know yourself working within it, there are checkboxes, right? Like there are things that you have to check off. And if somebody's living in a rural area and there's only one Scotiabank or RBC or TD and there's one bank loan manager, Mm -hmm. the success rate for women, especially women who don't have a male partner. I hear this too, that when they go to apply for a line of credit or a loan, the bank's asking what their partners make and, and their partner's credit score. Yeah. And why is that relevant to how a woman can actually be successful in business? Plus, I mean, if they've been through any kind of marriage breakup, they're starting over again. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be starting over from scratch. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> Maybe we're not going to solve that today. But but those issues need to be addressed. And whether it is by the banks, by, you know, government, I don't know what it is. But the process itself is very, very heavily weighted against women. Yeah, it is. And you know what, Shauna, coming from that world, when I was married, when I used to do mortgage applications or loan applications for women who had had a marriage breakdown or had unfortunately become widowed or whatever the reason, they had to provide us a separation agreement of what child support they're getting, everything underneath the sun except for their DNA, basically. (laughs) And I get it coming from the banking world, we need to make sure that the person we're giving this capital to is not going to default, has the promise to make that payment back to us. And while all that is well and good, we need to go one step further. And I think there are some institutions that are starting to get things right. I will give a shout out to Duca Impact Labs run by Keith Taylor. He's doing some amazing research with the Duca Impact Labs. He's uh, thinking outside the box, which is very, very impressive that um, how can we do things that normally would not get approved by big banks to help the middle class? And he's not referring it to a woman or to a minority or to Um, the LGBT community or the BIPOC community, he's just saying a person, a person has human rights. A person should be given equal opportunity all across the board. And I'm, you know, I, I would love to be part of the Duca Impact Lab because I see the research that they're doing and seeing what's coming out of it. And I think they're on the right track if they continue to do the right things, work with the government, work with um, the legal entities that support the big banks, I think there could be something done. Will it happen overnight? Absolutely not. In 42 years of my life, I haven't seen it. I hope we see it by the time my kids are, you know, in their teens, but maybe not. I think there's too much fear of, you know, insolvency, in debt, but also, you know, just women have been shunned. They know how much they have to provide to prove themselves that I think sometimes they just shy away from actually 
pulling all that paperwork together and saying, here, I have promise. Um, And so that needs to change. What about financial literacy? I think, I mean, you worked within the banking industry, so you had a good grasp of all of that. But I think all of the paperwork, like you said, there's so much bureaucracy involved with filling out the paperwork and cash flow projections and and a lot of things. And I'm counting myself in that too. I, Mm -hmm. I did not love doing those things as an entrepreneur. And I wish that I would have had more education in that category. Do you find that that perhaps women could have had more education in that that realm? Absolutely. And the change has started. I know I've participated and delivered many financial literacy um, advice sessions. Again, those are the highlights of my career because even if I've touched one person, I feel a little bit better that I've given back something from my experience to them. But yes, uh, these seminars and these um, sessions are so important to help women um, understand what is needed. Um, But again, Shauna, we do all the right things, but when it comes down to it, can we deliver? And so I'll speak from experience. You know, I could probably run my own diversity and inclusion consulting firm, but I haven't even had the opportunity to work in that realm outside right now. Why? Because first of all, it's new. The whole area of people and culture is new and that's scary. You know, we should have been thinking about our people and our culture years and years ago, but since COVID, It's now, oh, we need to place a better focus, a better lens on what our employees need to be successful at their jobs. Why is it happening now? Now, I'm not crashing it. I think it's a great thing. Now is better than never. But again, why are we changing the human resources role to now people and culture? Are we just changing it to give it a refresh or are we actually going to live it and walk it? There's no point in talking the talk if we're not going to walk the walk. And I want to walk the walk. So I'm a white woman of privilege. I have a white gaze. I have a white lens. I know that. So how can we change representation? And, And what I mean by that is representation matters. I know that. So how can we see people of color as bank managers, women in rural communities, how do we make that change? Shana, you know what? We've made baby steps. I have to yeah. give everyone that. We have people like myself who are middle management out in the banks, representing women, representing women of minority. But are we given the same equality as our male counterparts, as our, as you referenced, white privileged co-workers? And I hate saying that because you are no different than I. I think we are both very blessed to be where we are today. And I don't think privilege has anything to do with it. I've always been taught that hard work has everything to do with it. And I'm sure you've worked very hard to get where you are today. And I have worked very hard to get where I am today. Our barriers might be very, very different. Opportunities might be very, very different. But I don't consider privilege anything to do with it. 
I think we all work hard to get where we are today. In rural <laughs> communities, we have yes. white supremacy. I'm going to say we it, do. and I keep saying it. And yes. it is, I think people get, a, you know, their backup about it. And that's good because they should feel uncomfortable about it. They need to sit in that uncomfortableness because it is the reality. It is racism, homophobia. It is sexism. It is everything. everything. <laughs> and, and that's our legacy. We white folks in rural communities. And when we can finally admit that and then sit in it without validation from anyone else, then mm-hmm. perhaps we might change things. And I think what you said is true. Privilege, there's many layers to that, right? Like, I mean, you may have gone to university. I didn't. I have a college uh, diploma. And maybe your parents gave you money, you know, for, for doing things. And, and I, had, you know, everyone has different layers. And I think people get tripped up with that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the fact that my skin is white and I have a privilege in that, that no matter what my lived experience is, the fact that I'm white gives me a privilege that other people don't have. Brown and black people don't have. So mm-hmm. when we can finally embrace that is when we'll start to heal our country, I believe. What are your yeah. thoughts? I absolutely agree with you, Shana. I think one very key thing you mentioned was validation. We can't seek validation. When we do that, we give power to others to have power on us. And I wrote a little something about myself, which I shared with you. And it's all geared around power. We give everyone so much power over us that we don't even realize. But the power comes from within. The power is knowing and finally accepting that we are all global citizens, that we all have a responsibility to make the world a little better than when we left it. We all have that right to live as global citizens and experience equality and diversity, and embrace it. We all have that right to reduce limitations and stereotypes and barriers. What the key thing here is, is when you or when white supremacist people want to make change, it's knowing that it's not a white, black, brown person. It's you are a global citizen. You are a human. And that is first and foremost. I love that. So talk to me about what you want to do for women in Canada. Because I hear you talking and I'm very inspired. So <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? What, were, what, is, what are your, your lofty goals and your wishes for the future? Oh, there's so many. But I think <laughs> if if I could just make a little leeway for women to have an easier life, there's so many things w- women are put forth uh, that our male counterparts do not ever experience. And that's childbirth, 
child loss, you know, family responsibilities, being the glue that holds families together. There's so much mental anguish and um, responsibility on a woman than there is on a man. And so if we can try to level the playing field when it comes to professional world, imagine the leaps and bounds we can go. And you know what? Um, Being in management, people always say, oh, you know, and I've heard it. I'm not going to say people. I've heard you're of the child rearing age. So maybe you want to wait on that promotion. You have young kids at home. So maybe you can't devote the time that is needed for this role. Uh, You're now a single mom. Can you really devote what you need to this role? Since when did a mom become a weakness? I could tell you off the top of my hand, a mom is the most strongest person in the world. She can multitask. She can hold everything emotionally together, even if we are the emotional weaker sex, as they call us. A mother has superpower skills, and it's so true. So why are we putting down women because they are of child-rearing age, because they are a minority, because they are young, because they are old, because they are a single mom, or, you know, whatever it is. Since when did your status affect what you bring to the table? I think you touched on it a, with with everything that you just said there, that in in large institutions and, and, and even some smaller ones, we buy into this professionalism where it's hustle, hustle, hustle. Here's your goals. Uh, if you don't reach them, you don't get a you don't get a promotion. And mm-hmm. and and there's no space for your mental health. There's no space for what happens at home, what happens like a death in your family. Or you're looking after an aging parent. Or like you said, you have a sick child, perhaps. There's no leeway for that. And that's where men get 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 ahead is because mm-hmm. they don't have that responsibility so they can continue to hustle, 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 succeed, 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 hit those targets, all of those things, when really we, we don't have a safe space held for how important, like you said, being a mom and holding a family together at home is. And you spend so much time at work. When you do that, your family Mm -hmm. suffers. I mean, there's a sacrifice always. So why is it that corporations aren't recognizing that on a wider scale? It is because the bottom line is money. That's my, my theory is that if you're off, for instance, and we used to call them mental health days, but now they really are mental health days. If you take a little bit of time off, then somebody else has taken over your spot. And yeah. there's that fear that someone else who doesn't have a child and doesn't have things at home and isn't admitting that they actually have issues, because we all do, yeah. then they're going to speed ahead of you. There's that fear and stress and anxiety. And also, it's the 
stigma of actually taking that mental health day, right? By saying, calling in and uh, telling your manager, I need a mental health day. What it, what stigma did you just attach to your professional career? Oh, she can't handle it. Oh, she needs a day to do to cry or to be weak or to be whatever. Why is it that there's a stigma to saying, I need a refresh? I need a reset. And I want to go back to a point you made about men and why they forge ahead. You know, going through a divorce right now and looking at the earning potential my ex-husband has had, has he had it because of his own merit? Maybe. But has he had it because he had a wife at home who supported the family, who took that extra time being the lower income earner to take the days off when the kids were sick so he didn't have to miss a day of work, Uh, to take school holidays off so he didn't have to miss work, so he could have that higher earning potential that I don't have now and that I need now being a single mom. As men hear this podcast, I employ you. I employ you. If you're not married, that's okay. If you are married, understand where you are today is because of the woman who stands beside you today. Everything you have accomplished today is, yes, based on your skill, your merit, your experience, but most importantly, the family who holds you up every day. It's so true. I I listened to a podcast uh, called We Could Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle, and she did a podcast. Just they talked about the ticker that goes on in your head as a mom. So all the appointments, all the groceries, all the things, all the things, the soccer, the piano, the dance, all of those things, you're keeping track of all of that in your head while you're working and keeping track of all of that stuff. So it's Mm -hmm. double the amount of space it's taking up in your brain. All of that emotional and and time labor that women, moms, take care of because the guy is just free to do it. Like It's not shared equally. Yeah. Yeah. How many times do men say, I'll check with my wife? How many times do men check their calendar that their wives populate uh, on, you know, how many dance recitals, soccer uh, team meets there are so that they know their free evenings. It's because of women, of because of how organized we are, how much multitasking we do, how emotionally strong we are. And it's like you said, it's the ticker that goes on in our head that men do not even have to entertain because it's all taken care of by a strong woman. Where do you go from here? Where is your guiding light telling you to go? I'm so glad you asked that because I've been really focusing on um, diversity and inclusion because I think that's where I'm most passionate about. Last year in November with the Human Resources Professional Association, I got certified with my diversity and inclusion certification. And you need that now to get into these types of roles. I've applied to numerous, numerous roles. I'm waiting. And I think whoever does scoop me up will be very happy because I think I can put them on the map when it comes to making change and real change. Since my mom's been ill, 
She now has dementia. I got the great opportunity with Yihong Hospice to volunteer educating people around advanced care planning. And like I said, you know, coming from an immigrant family, coming from a very ethnic community, talking about death, dying, and planning is very taboo. And so I wanted to make that different. I want people of my generation not to be caught off guard like I was and making all these decisions. I want them to have the knowledge and education of what it takes as our parents age, what opportunities and advancements and um, quality of life we can give them as they grow older. Um, on top of that, I volunteer with the Gakan Foundation. Um, we have the World Partnership Walk coming up. The funds that my kids and I raise every year for the World Partnership, it goes to making a better quality of life for people all over the world. This is something I've always been raised with, is that as coming back to being global citizens, we need to do our acts of service. And this is what I teach my boys to do as well. Every year we pick different initiatives and we do our acts of service. So this year we helped with the food bank for people who were impacted with COVID. Um, we did um, a newcomer backpack program for mm. kids coming from Afghanistan who came with nothing and were getting back into the school systems. We gave like a fully loaded backpack full of things they needed to get to school Um I volunteered at a COVID clinic, trying to, you know, calm people down from something we all didn't know anything about. Um, winter clothing drive. There's endless things we can do, but it's about not not just the tax receipt. It's about the heart. And it goes back to the essence of being a global citizen. What are you doing? What are you what change do you want to see in the world has to come from within you? Is there anything else you'd like to say? Shana, had it not been for my cousin Farah Faisal, a well-known reporter in the States, introducing us and encouraging me to try to use my journey to help others today, this would not be happening. Um, it's not to hurt anyone. It's just to share my truths. So what are my wishes? My wishes are, regardless of how you classify your gender, Build others up. That is the greatest good anyone can do. Competition is great, but only if it's to inspire and not to spite. Um, love yourself. Easy ideal, but self-care is very hard to do. Remove the guilt and the stigma and know when you love yourself, you are giving the best of yourself. Be each other's advocate. Don't accept for being a spectator to poor behavior. Let's all show it's safe to speak up for ourselves and for each other. And of course, you know, um, putting on my diversity and inclusion hat, no one should have to change their name, their ethnicity, just to get an interview or a job. Um, we need to embrace our strengths and our strengths are different people with different backgrounds. Um, so that's what I want to leave as my message and my legacy.
If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine a Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time, 